Six and a half minutes past twelve. Indeed, this is a midday live SFM one hundred four to one hundred seven. Thank you very much for joining us this Tuesday, the twenty seventh of August. We're wrapping up uh, the Women's Month. Uh, but uh, top story here, really, we're looking at uh, the figures coming here, coming out uh, here from uh, the from states. I say here at home, but also we look at uh, uh, some of the figures coming out of uh, Zimbabwe. There, we see the country uh, economic growth is uh, declining from around about ten percent to about six uh, percent. But uh, a story that really caught my eye yesterday was that of government scrapping competency tests for candidate teachers wanting to mark matriculation papers. Basic Education Minister Angie Mutsecha telling Parliament competency tests will only be implemented again following discussions with teacher union SATU. The union had complained after many of their members failed the test in previous years. So what do you make of this? 34701 is our SMS number. Uh, what do you make of this? Of course, you can tweet us at Kuala B News at SAFM Midday Live. Eight minutes past 12. To our top story this hour, growth in South Africa's economy grew by 3% quarter, uh, or quarter on quarter in the second quarter of uh, 2013, up from 0.9% in the first quarter. This is slightly below market expectation of a 3.3% growth uh, on a quarterly basis. But uh, in the studio with me here is uh, Dimakas Olishor, who reports on these stories. It's a, it's a growth nonetheless. Yes, the market expected and analysts were expecting 3.3%. 3% is better than nothing. It's not even a question of being better than nothing. It's actually good, given that we coming from we are coming from a 0.9 percent growth in the first quarter. So you know you also have a low base effect. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So the second quarter was nonetheless expected to do very well, given that we had that very negative, uh, well you know very slow growth in uh, the the first quarter. And uh, one of the improvements that we are seeing in terms of contributors, I mean we saw in the last quarter that manufacturing recorded actually a negative growth, but right now it's leading the growth in terms of contributors to GDP is grown by 1.7 percentage points which is really great to me mm. that we're making progress in terms of our manufacturing sector but you know that did not come as much as a, of a surprise if you've been looking at the PMI figures that we've been reporting on you know we've seen that there has been an expansion in terms of manufacturing and uh, other sectors that contributed to this uh, slight growth Finance uh, grew well, you know, like when you talk about finance, uh, you know, that includes real estate, it includes business services, that uh, include, uh, grew by 0.8%. Uh, we've seen uh, trade, you know, motor trade also uh, growing by 3.2%. So generally, um, you know, all good for now. Anyway. Uh, and uh, going into the third uh, quarter, what can we expect? Can we expect this uh, trajectory then to continue? You know, it's not, it's not going to be that easy. Like I said, the reason why we've seen this 3% is the low base effect, Bonnie. The fact that we, we came from a, a, a not 0.9%, less than 1% growth in the first quarter, that is one of the reasons why we're seeing this. But uh, third quarter, as some of the analysts have spoken to, they're looking at a 2.5% growth. You remember that the IMF, the Reserve Bank, Treasury, everybody's saying that they're expecting 2% annual growth. Mm. So uh, we, we don't know. That's, you know, the, the, the strikes that are ongoing, I mean, the, the motor manufacturing sector, the biggest strike, they're costing the industry in the region of about 600 million rand, some would say a day. Others are giving us uh, figures of 120 million rand a day. That is huge. But also you look at mining also, we, we're experiencing that now, construction. Uh, so that will have a huge impact going to the third quarter, I would assume. Of course, it will indeed. I, I think that's why 
why now they're, they're looking downward in terms, it is going to have downward pressure in terms of economic growth. But also just in terms of today's figures, I mean, we saw mining uh, making a negative contribution. Mining actually dropped by 5.6%, which is a huge thing. I mean, mining is a, a, a huge thing for us in South Africa because it's part of the manufacturing sector, which combined, it contributes 15% to GDP. So that's mm. a, a, a big thing. And now with the you know, threats of strikes in the mining industry, it, it's possible that we'll see another drop in uh, the, the, the third quarter. Although some of the analysts I was speaking to were saying that the, the new weights, uh, by so to say, are not yet being implemented in terms of calculating GDP. So that is why we see the low figure in terms of mining. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. And the household figures, what are we looking at there? Is this a, a temporary reprieve? You know what, just, just because you have to um, sort of put a link or draw, you know, on all these figures that we normally report on. You remember mm. last week we were talking about CPI. Of course. CPI's bridge to the Reserve Bank target band is now at 6.3%. That means that you and I, our money is now will be eroded in terms of our purchasing power. And you know that the consumer has been playing a big role in terms of economic growth. That has an impact. The volatility of the rent, that has an impact because it also means that we, we either, depending on where the rent is, we pay either less or more for petrol and that affects your, um, you know, spending power in terms of what you can spend. So that has a huge impact, but it also has an impact also in terms of, you know, companies, whether they're able to employ or not employ people. Whether they're able to pay us a raise or not. You know what, at, at this rate, you're lucky to get a raise. <laughs> Having a job, you should be grateful. <laughs> Indeed, we should be. Thank you very much, Dimakasa uh, Lishoro, for bringing us up to speed with uh, those figures. As you heard, uh, growth in South Africa's economy grew by 3% quarter on quarter in the second quarter of 2013, coming up from a 0.9% growth in the first quarter. 12 minutes past 12, this is Midday Live, SAFM 104 to 107. Walter Sisulu University in Mtata in the Eastern Cape will be shut down tomorrow as the wage strike by staff enters its sixth week now. University management has written to students advising them that all four campuses will be closed by noon tomorrow and they will be expected to vacate university accommodation by that time. The university, which has 21,000 students, has been under administration since 2011 after it emerged that there was no money to pay salaries. Staff is not happy with the proposed 4.25% increase and are demanding an 8 to 10% increase. Now working on an independent mediator to facilitate those negotiations in the joint bargaining forum. So what we are waiting for is for the independent uh, mediator to confirm his or her availability so that negotiations can start. That's what we know as the, as the provincial leadership and national leadership of now. Are you surprised by the news of the closure tomorrow? We are definitely surprised and we condemn it because it will not be solving the current uh, problems of the university. Instead, it will be adding more problems. And uh, that was Kolani uh, Malamlela Nihau, Provincial Secretary. Meanwhile, National President of uh, the Pan-Africanist Student Movement of Azania, Pumzile Nomga, says students do not have money to go home. Now, telling them to evacuate the campus and go home within the effect, as it has been indicated by the administrator, it's a challenge to them because some of them are coming 
from very far uh, places around the country. And not at all times students have money to travel between home and, 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 and school. So it's going to become a challenge that has always been the case. We, we see students sleeping in, uh, in church halls around the, 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 the town, has nowhere to go. So it's going to be a further challenge on the part of students. And I think the decision by the university administrator was definitely considerate of the students' uh, challenges. And uh, that was uh, the president, uh, make it uh, the, yes indeed, the national president of uh, the Pan-African Student Movement of Azania. Fifteen minutes past twelve. Midday live on SAFM, 104 to 107. A top story this hour, the Constitutional Court has dismissed an appeal by the Democratic Alliance on its motion of no confidence in President Jacob Zuma. Looking at the markets this hour, gold is trading at $1,411.72 an ounce, platinum at $1,546.65 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand 37 cents against the U.S. dollar, at 16 rand 9 cents to the pound, and at 13 rand 84 cents to the euro. Mother, I'm a psychiatrist. I want to make an impression plea to the nation today. I don't think being treated as a black or white person matters. It matters how you're being treated as a person. I greeted and I smiled. I was ignored. And the person behind me was greeted with a smile. What's the difference? That is my point. Not black or white. It is never acceptable. Join me Monday somewhere every weekday, 4 to 6 a.m. on SFM as I bring you Heads Up. You asked for it, and now it's here. SAFM proudly presents the best of the African Connection Christian Wamba, the dance edition. Dance yourself silly in this compilation of the best dance numbers of the African Connection Christian Wamba, now available at reputable CD outlets. Midday live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 17 minutes past 12, indeed, midday live, SFM 104 to 107. We're trying to speak to Angela Church, uh, the spokesperson for the Walter Sisulu University in the Eastern Cape. As you heard, that uh, the university will be shut down tomorrow as uh, the wage strike by staff enters its sixth week. And you heard also uh, some saying that uh, students do not have money to go home, saying uh, Azania. Azania spokesperson there, Pumzile Nomga. So hopefully we'll be connecting with uh, Angela Church shortly. But a couple of SMSs whilst we're trying to get Angela on the line. Uh, Bong, it's, uh, is, it, is it legal to employ former ward councillor to be part uh, of uh, municipal workers? This happened in Ladysmith uh, municipality without job advertisements uh, being done, says Mr. Q there. If having rights and unions is equal to lowering standards, then I don't know. Fako Mahoto there in Matatiel. Why were they tested in the first place? I think it is a good move from the Minister for a Change, says Kahisho. 
and uh, it is good that uh, it's scrapped because how can these teachers be competent to teach and be incompetent to mark what they teach? What a contradiction as why there. Disgrace, uh, why not just abandon the grades for the pupils too, says Sean from uh, PE. If I let my child John Sato, will she have to write the metric exams? Private schools will have, uh, will save this uh, generation. Uh, shame on Sato and Department of Education. This one is unsigned. All right, uh, shortly we'll be going to Zimbabwe, but let me tell you that uh, so it, uh, it appears that uh, the U.S. is preparing to attack Syria any day from now. The U.S. President Barack Obama has ordered his advisors to prepare a declassified document justifying an attack on Syria, which would avoid the need for U.N. approval. That's very interesting coming through from uh, the U.S. there. Zimbabwe's economy growth has uh, declined from 10.6% in 2011 to 4.4% in 2012, reflecting a fragile recovery owing largely to inherent political and economic uncertainties. A high debt overhang and uh, the deteriorating infrastructure have also been blamed for the decline in the country's growth. Earlier, I spoke to our correspondent in Zimbabwe, Shingai Nyoga, and I began by asking her if uh, the latest figures came as a shock to some. To a certain extent, um, I think people here were very optimistic that the um, economic growth uh, would continue um, at a time when, uh, in 2010 and 2011, Zimbabwe was one of the fastest growing economies um, in the region. And they were really hoping to be able to... um, catch up, if you like, um, on all those of the decade of of the recession uh, with these fantastic um, growth rates, which were largely uh, supported by um, the high mineral prices, um, as well as uh, the increase, the boost in the agricultural sector. Uh, But that's not uh, to to be expected. Um, The the mining counters internationally um, have have not crashed, but um, they're significantly lower than they were. And and really now, it, it really looks as if the economy is contracting, and that's not good news um, for President Robert Mugabe as he tries to form a new government and uh, spearhead his um, indigenization and empowerment and economic policies. And what is driving that uh, contraction? From what we understand, it's um, largely the fact that uh, the mining pri- mining uh, counters, mining prices on platinum, gold um, have have uh, reduced. Um, in the agricultural sector, we also understand that the impacts of uh, the impact of drought um, has has had an effect on the output, especially um, with with the maize. And, um, and essentially, uh, the tourism sector is, is on a bit of a rebound, but it's still the growth rates are not uh, what they had expected. And so, really, if you look across um, all of the economic uh, sectors and all of the economic section, uh, sections, it, it's really it's not looking good for Zimbabwe. These figures uh, come from different people who have different interests and they would look at the economy in a different way to satisfy their needs and their, their positions. But is it the true reflection of what is happening on the ground? Well, the problem that is, is on the ground, especially when you talk to uh, the small businesses, is that there really isn't enough capital um, for them to grow their own businesses. Uh, many of them, um, whether they're manufacturing uh, soft drinks or whether they're um, selling uh, just 
small items need a little bit, just a little boost of as little as 10,000 rand, uh, which is about a thousand US dollars uh, for them to grow their businesses. Um, if you look at the supermarket shelves, um, for example, as well, many of the goods that are on the supermarket shelves, as, ma- as much as 70% are imported um, from South Africa, it's imported from China. And so really that paints a picture of what's happening in the manufacturing sector, is that uh, companies are not able to produce um, enough to satisfy uh, the, the, the local needs, and that's primarily because they don't have access uh, to finance, and that finance uh, normally comes from outside of the country, and as it stands, uh, many of these foreign investors are still adopting a wait-and-see attitude until um, until there's some kind of clear policy about what uh, President Mugabe intends to do with indigenization and empowerment, or whether he's going to um, change a policy again and, and, and lose their money as, as they've done previously. And uh, as the President Robert Mugabe is forming his government, he needs to appoint a finance minister who is very strong, a finance minister who will be aware of uh, the policies at home, the indigenization, one of them, but uh, importantly look abroad and look for foreign direct investment which is uh, seriously needed in that country. Well, that's the key uh, p- position that people are really looking to or anticipating to see who President Mugabe will appoint. Um, there have been a few names that have banded around. Uh, one of them is the current Reserve Bank Governor, uh, Gideon Bono, who um, at, 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 at one particular time was a star um, so for the international community. Uh, but obviously because of what happened uh, during the decade of the economic decline and some of his policies there, people are not too sure uh, where he's being appointed into that position will inspire confidence um, in the international community. But really that's the key post uh, that people are really looking to see what President Mugabe will do. Will do. And, and that will be an indication of where he wants to take the country and where he wants the country to go, uh, whether he's going to remain defiant um, against the um, international community or whether he actually wants to encourage foreign direct investment. Really we'll see um, who we appoint and that will be a reflection of that. And unemployment remains stubbornly high. Absolutely. Um, the figures at the moment are about 80% um, unemployment, or in other words, only 20% of the people here are employed in the formal sector. Many people um, earn a living by selling airtime on the streets or by selling little trinkets, um, and, and they are counted as unemployed. Essentially, many of them earn far, far below the uh, poverty datum line, which stands at about 500 uh, U.S. dollars a month. Um, Many of them earn as much as 20, 30 uh, U.S. dollars a month. And so really those are some of the concerns uh, that President Mugabe has to deal with, Um, whether he'll be able to turn that around, whether he'll be able to attract um, enough investment to be able to grow the economy. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. Our correspondent in Harare, Zimbabwe, Shungai Nyoka, 25 past 12. The Limpopo Health Department says it will launch an investigation into allegations that a 27-year-old woman gave birth on the street after being turned away from the Linyanya Clinic outside Zanin. Olga Mashabela of Mochetene Village says nurses at the clinic refused to assist her on Sunday. On her, way, on her way to catch a taxi, her water broke and she gave birth to her daughter with the help of two local women. Community members also called an ambulance from the local Dr. C.N. Patudi Hospital. Shibuma Mohere brings us this report. Olga Mashabela arrived at the clinic just after 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon experiencing labor pains. She was expecting her third child. 
Mashabela says although she felt she was about to go into labor, the nurse who checked her told her she was not. She was allegedly accused of wasting their time and sent home. When I arrived at the clinic, one of the nurses was preparing to do a medical checkup. Then she told me it was a normal pain and I was not about to give birth, so they told me to leave. Mashabela says she was in shock when her water broke while she was on her way to the taxi rank. I had to leave since I was extremely tired. I rested not far from the clinic. Then the pain became worse. I called out for help to other women who were passing by. They were preparing to take me to the clinic, but it was too late. I went into labor on the street. She says the experience has left her traumatized. Some people filmed the whole process on their cell phones, and she's worried that it could go viral. It affected me badly. People were taking videos of me giving birth in public and distributing them. My spirits are down since the community has turned this into a topical issue. I would have lost my baby. Nwakumaunatlala says the entire episode took place right in front of his house, not far from the clinic. He is disappointed by the behavior of the nurses as they still refuse to assist even after the police were called to intervene. They helped me on the street and tried to send the child to the clinic so that they can uh, call the nurses, the nurses there, to come for the then they refused to come. Kids were on the street, they were looking what is happening there. I called the police to come and help, then they came. Then we even asked them so that they can go and call the nurse there. Then, then they came back and said the nurse refused to come. Spokesperson for the Limpopo Health Department, Adele van der Linde, says they regard the allegations as serious. She says whoever is found to have been negligent would be held accountable. Well, number one, the department will follow the usual procedure of uh, doing an investigation around these allegations because they are serious. From there, after such an investigation has been done, one can deduct whether there has been negligence or not. Um, We are working with people's lives and therefore negligence cannot be tolerated. And uh, they will definitely be acted against people if it's found that they had indeed been negligent. Mashabela is happy that doctors at Dr. C. and Paturi Hospital have given her and the baby a clean bill of health. She says she wants justice and plans to seek advice on her legal options. Meanwhile, Nurses Union Dinosa says it will comment on the matter after receiving a report from the clinic. Shibuma Mahere, SABC News, Polokwani. And of course, as we look further afield, a clear sign indeed that the U.S. is ready to attack Syria. We see here Secretary of State John Kerry saying that the use of chemical weapons in attacks on civilians in Syria last week was undeniable and that the Obama administration would hold the Syrian government accountable for a moral obscenity that has shocked the world's conscience. And if you look across in Europe, Britain is also planning to join forces with America and launch military action against Syria within days in response to the gas attack believed to have been 
carried out by President Bashar al-Assad's forces against his own people. Uh, and uh, the British Royal Navy vessels are being readied to take part in a possible series of cruise missiles strikes alongside the United States as military commanders finalize a list of potential targets. Government sources said talks between the Prime Minister and uh, that's Prime Minister of uh, the UK and uh, international leaders including Barack Obama would continue but that any military action that was agreed could begin within the next week. There you have it. It's finally here and it's happening. It was to be expected. It's at 12.30 now and it's time for the news headlines. Thanks, Cecilia. We'll see you at the top of the hour. But for now, let's say good afternoon to Shadow Twala. What's coming up between 1 and 2 this afternoon, Shadow? Hello, Bongi. On Otherwise, today we get up close and personal with women about their reproductive organs with Dr. Tami Matinde, who's a specialist gynecologist and obstetrician. We also talk to women, a women's march that's been organized to take back the night, and that happens tomorrow. It's to end violence against women now. Thanks, Bongi. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you very much, Shadow. We'll see you then between 1 and 2 this afternoon right here on SAFM, 104 to 107, coming to you live and direct from Cape Town. The Mpumalanga Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs says it is yet to reconcile figures provided to them by ESCOM regarding seven municipalities in the province that are struggling to pay off their debt to the entity. The Electricity Utility ESCOM says the seven municipalities have been failing to even honor payment arrangements. For more on this now, we joined on the line by the Head of Communications at the Mpumalanga Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Spiwe Gunene. Good afternoon to you, Spiwe. Good afternoon, Bong, and good afternoon to the listeners. Help us understand if indeed the seven municipalities are struggling to pay their debt to ESCOM and why. Well, I must indicate that uh, this uh, meeting emanated from uh, concern by MEC uh, Simons Kosana, wherein uh, we have found that uh, indeed the municipalities are owing ESCOM a huge amount of money there. We then called this meeting with ESCOM and the municipalities to try and find a solution in terms of how we can be able to assist the municipalities to pay these debts that they have to ESCOM. Amongst the key issues that we have found that are problematic or are creating a challenge for the municipalities is that uh, during the past uh, three months, or let me say the peak month uh, of August to September, there's been a high usage of electricity in the municipalities which has created the bills for the municipalities to go high up with ESCOM, and therefore the municipalities are struggling to, to honor those uh, bills that they have. Now. We've also found that uh, there is a lot of loss of electricity in the municipalities due to illegal connections, and therefore the municipality cannot recoup the money that it pays ESCOM to buy electricity and then sell to the communities. We've also found that one of the, another challenge is that there is huge outstanding debts uh, that ESCOM has with the communities, especially big businesses. So we are meeting to discuss on these issues, and we found that these are the problematic areas that we need to assist municipalities to address so that they are able to pay back their bills to ESCOM. Mr. Gunen, there's, there's nothing new about uh, electricity theft. We, we know about that, that uh, the municipalities lose money uh, to electricity theft. The question is, how then, as you, the department, respond to this? Well, there's two things that we have agreed upon. First of all, we've agreed that ESCOM will assist municipalities with the technical expertise to be able to do an audit 
uh, of their uh, 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 supply networks, but also to do a review of the tariff structures and be able to assist municipalities to be able to can counter the issue of the bills. We've also instructed municipalities that they must make sure that they have the required technical expertise in their technical units to be able to deal with these issues of the illegal connection so that they're able to go out to the communities and they're able to detect these issues of these illegal connections and be able to be able to put them off so that we're able to close this gap and these huge losses that are being caused by these illegal connections. And uh, ESCOM has indicated that uh, really they, they are sick and tired of this. We, we, we would remember also in Sugalik where they, they shut down the supply of electricity there and uh, they, they are prepared to shut it down. So in the meantime, what, what, what plan do you have in place to make sure that this doesn't happen as the department responsible for the local government? Well, I must indicate that uh, in the meeting with ESCOM, we have agreed that, first and foremost, ESCOM is going to also provide the assistance to municipalities, as I indicated, around the issue of reviewing the tariffs so that we are able to make sure that the tariffs are correct and that, indeed, we are able to, to, uh, to, to pay uh, the bills with ESCOM. But we've also instructed municipalities that they need to do a data cleansing so that they're able to ensure that they have the correct uh, uh, data in their system and that bills are sent to the correct people. But we've also instructed them that they must begin to now implement their credit control policies and make sure that people who are who use services indeed begin to pay for the services. We've also agreed that with municipalities now going forward, the department together with provincial treasury will be assisting them to develop a payback plan so that they can start paying back this money to ESCOM. Mm. All right, we thank you very much. That's uh, Spiwe Kunene. He is uh, the spokesperson or head of communication at the Mpumalanga Department of uh, Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. A task team from uh, Kusalela 2 and uh, Kumanani 1 and 2 shafts and uh, mine workers at uh, Amplats in Rustenburg in the northwest have met with uh, Amplats Mine Management. This is they try to avert massive job cuts at the mine. The world's largest platinum producer last year announced that 14,000 jobs would be cut as part of its restructuring plan, but later scaled down to 6,900. For more on this now, we're joined on the line by our reporter, Dial Khaizewe. Good afternoon to you, Dial. Uh, what came out of the meeting? Good afternoon, Bongi, and thanks so much for your time. Yes, um, just a few minutes ago, we, we were in a meeting with uh, some of the uh, miners and uh, the, the task team leaders. We spoke to uh, one of the leaders um, who said they are not happy as the management is set to proceed with the re- redeployment or retrenchment as indicated earlier. But uh, talking to the miners, uh, some said, look, we, they, they don't have much of a choice because um, uh, because it looks like uh, it's a forced retrenchment if they uh, defy the orders of taking retrenchment as said uh, uh, as said to proceed they likely going to lose money and some said no they've been working in the mine for a number of years some are disabled and they have got no way to go so uh, that's quite in a very precarious situation and uh, they're not quite really happy with the situation currently and uh, the the retrenchments will will start in the next week or so isn't it the retrenchment, yes, it was, they said it will start on, uh, on, on, on the 2nd of September. And uh, they said the, the group management, they are continuing with their plan despite uh, the, you know, what they are trying to do. But uh, one of the leaders who we spoke to we said they intending to take the matter to, to Labor Court to challenge the decision by employees.
And uh, the, the mine management uh, position is that 6,900 uh, mine workers will lose their jobs. Yes. Okay, but how, how is the mood then in, in the whole uh, uh, area there? I mean, that whole belt, uh, Kuselela 2 and uh, Kurumani 1 and 2 shafts there. Uh, it, it must be really sombering to know that uh, some of us will be losing their jobs. And uh, have they been told, those who've been identified, to be, uh, who will be losing their jobs? Yeah, most, um, unfortunately, most here are having families around. They've been here for some time, despite everywhere they're coming from. And uh, the, the mood is quite tense. The, uh, some are really uncertain about their future. It, it's quite a very challenging situation looking, uh, looking at these workers. And some said no, um, because some, the, because we have been given some names that some they will be going to Amanda Belt in Limpopo, some they will be going to Swartlet, Bichaba, um, 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 you know, shaft around uh, Rustenburg. And some people know it's better to take uh, the severance package rather than to be forced to, uh, to, to retrench. Because if you retrench, they are likely, you're likely going to lose more money, you lose out on benefits. So some say, no, it's fine, we can go. But some feel no, this has been their home for, for years. And uh, it would appear that nothing can be done now to, to change the, this uh, position by management. Yes, uh, uh, like, like some said, look, we've got SMSs that says we've got only until uh, Wednesday the 28th to make up our mind and we should go to the HR to apply for this average package or any retirement, uh, retirement or redeployment. So, look, the, 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 it looks like the management... Uh, it, it's you know, proceeding despite the, the, uh, what the, 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 the mines are trying to do. And yesterday we have tried to engage employers uh, to, to comment on this. And we are failing to, to get their side of the story. But miners say, look, it's fine. We can go. Some say, no, we don't want to go. And leaders say, no, we're going to challenge the, the, this uh, decision by, by, by employers. It's, so it's quite a precarious situation around uh, Kumanani where we are now. Well, thank you very much, Dial Khaidziwe, our reporter in the Northwest. Concerns continue to mount about the ongoing spate of industrial action in South Africa, which is threatening growth in the country. Today, thousands of workers picketed in Newtown in front of a a multi-million rand construction project by construction company WHBO. Last night, unions met with employers and indicated that they wanted workers' salaries to be adjusted before they can be increased. Murafi Taban reports. The National Union of Mine Workers members in red t-shirts arrived at the site chanting slogans and singing revolutionary songs in line with their demands. They carried sticks and placards, some of which read, United we bargain, divided we beg. They also wore shirts worth words, relax in China, Nooms here to stay. In Newtown, workers were first addressed by Nooms like Himazibugo. By telling them, is it is not slow, so it is not only proof of Congress, so they are to say the right to respect. Around the country, even KZN Congress, who group five was taking chances because some employers are going to Congress. 
they are used to exploit our cities. Now it will be very, very difficult to move away after Matsubuku addressed them, thousands of them erupted in songs, showing they agreed with what he was saying. Ben Isaac Njagaze, the national coordinator for NUM in the construction industry, who had met employers, briefed workers on what transpired last night at the meeting. They want to give us percentage, of which they gave us 10% from task rate 1 to task rate 4, and task rate 8, task rate 5 to task rate 9, they are giving us 8%. Last night they have reviewed that to say, they are going to give us something on this 1.5 on top of 4,000. Uh, on top of 4,000, that is a current minimum. So they promise that they are going to split this uh, 1,500 into three uh, 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 amounts, which they are going to give us first of September, another one next September, and half of that of 2015 but we have rejected that after this workers boarded buses which ferried them to different sites where they'll be picketing the whole day Njangaz has said employers indicated they will get back to them today with a revised offer Morafi Tabani SBC News Johannesburg with that we give you your lunchtime market updates today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business Convergence one solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. We say good afternoon to Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Sasfin Securities. How are the markets looking today, Clinton? Good afternoon. Well, uh, well the markets worldwide are trading a little lower today with the uncertain situation in, in Syria pushing oil prices higher. Uh, at the moment, uh, the gold board's trading flat more or less. Uh, resources are down 0.8%. Uh, industrials down 0.9%. And financials are down 0.8%. Uh, overall, the market's down 363 points at the moment, or 0.8% lower, uh, to 42,888. And uh, some of uh, the winners and losers so far... Uh, trading, trading high today, not too much on the upside actually. Uh, we've got DRD Gold, uh, they're up 4.2% at the moment, 6 Rand 25. Uh, Basil Reeds, 1.3% higher, 7 Rand 60. Uh, Vividend is up 1.2%, uh, trading 4 Rand 95. And Mittal's up 1.1% at 37 Rand 40. Uh, trading lower today. Uh, Imperial is down 3.4% at 209 Rand 39. Uh, Trueworths is down 3.3% at 81 Rand 50. Uh, ShopRite down 3% at 158.38. And uh, lastly, Discovery down 2.8%, uh, trading 95 Rand 60. And uh, latest market indicators? Uh, gold price currently $1,411 per ounce. Uh, platinum $1,548 an ounce. Uh, Brent crude is currently $109.41 a barrel. Uh, the yield on R157 is trading at 6.44%. Uh, and then finally, the RAND is at uh, 10 Rand 40 to the dollar now, uh, 13.87 to the euro, and 16 Rand 12 cents to the pound. And that's for me. Thank you very much, Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Saswin Securities.
This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, I need a non-automated, hand-operated ink dispenser for the objective of on-paper documentation. A pen, sir? Yes. That's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. The Serenity Commission of Inquiry into alleged corruption in the 1999 arms deal continues in Pretoria. Yesterday, the commander of uh, the naval fleet, Admiral Philip Scholes, gave the commission a detailed account of uh, the missions that uh, uh, frigates bought in 1998 have been involved in, in since they were acquired. These uh, include providing security during the 2010 FIFA World Cup, anti-piracy patrols, of the Mozambique coast, as well as a securing the visit of U.S. President Barack Obama earlier this year. For more on this now, we're joined on the line by our reporter, Joseph Mosia. Joseph, good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. The commission is continuing. What uh, came out today? Uh, today, it was the turn of uh, Admiral uh, Derek, Stey, uh, sorry, Derek Christian, he he was basically just taking the the, the commission through uh, what the process of of acquiring this this, this uh, ships was, and he also uh, for the first time uh, gave a a, a slide uh, showing the the the, the, the navy's uh, ships and, and and submarines so that uh, they have an idea of what they look like. And uh, basically he was also going through the same uh, process that uh, the others had gone through in terms of explaining the need for these uh, for these uh, weapons. But uh, what is extra that I could say from what you are saying, you are saying that uh, it is true that they are having problems, especially with the submarines, in terms of breakage and all that. But he says South Africa is not unique in this, uh, in this sense that uh, they, they, he made examples of uh, the navies of Canada and Australia where they have similar problems with uh, submarines that are out of service and going, undergoing uh, lengthy maintenance because the, the conditions at sea make it very difficult for these uh, to stay uh, operation for long times. And that is the problem that South Africa itself is going through. Mm. And uh, also just uh, reflecting on uh, what Admiral Philip Scholes said yesterday, saying that uh, uh, these uh, frigates bought in uh, 1998 have been involved in, in quite a number of activities, uh, highlighting the World Cup in 2010, anti-piracy, which is quite rife uh, on the coast of uh, off the coast of Mozambique, and of course uh, a huge security uh, situation there with the visit of uh, Barack Obama, the President of the U.S., Yes, he actually actually uh, highlighted something that maybe many of us would not have been aware of. That uh, you know, we have normal radar that uh, guides aeroplanes uh, into uh, in, in and out of South African skies. He pointed out that there are certain blind spots that the normal commercial radar does not uh, does not detect. For example, in Cape Town behind Table Mountain. Uh, if there was a threat of an aeroplane, of an aeroplane uh, the similar to the ones that hit 
the United States in uh, in 2001, it would be difficult to detect it if it was coming from the direction of of uh, of, of, of Table Mountain because he called that area the, the a blind spot, and that is where the frigates provided uh, necessary cover to make sure that there are no such blind spots. And and the issues of of piracy in Mozambique is he was explaining that. If that situation had not been prevented by sending uh, South Africa's um, uh, frigates there, it would have been very easy for those uh, pirates that operated in in, in, uh, so in Somalia to come down towards uh, the, the south and actually disturb uh, trade in this area. So he he, he was explaining that these these uh, weapons have been used uh, optimally and they've done a good job uh, for the country. Joseph Masia, a reporter who is watching this decommission of inquiry into alleged corruption in the 1999 arms deal, continuing in Pretoria. Thank you very much. The chairperson of the Marikana Commission of Inquiry, Judge Ian Fallon, has strongly defended Northwest Deputy Police Commissioner William Bembe, currently being grilled about the police's use of uh, stun grenades and tear gas during unrest in Marikana last year. A video clip showing stun grenades being thrown at protesters on the 13th of August last year from a police helicopter was shown at the commission. For more on this now, we are on the line to our reporter Spiwe Mkize. Spiwe, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Bongi. Thank you. The judge uh, coming to the defense of uh, Northwest Deputy Police Commissioner William Bembe Tell us more about that. Well, we saw this morning a uh, judge Ian Fanam defending uh, the police, uh, the, the police's versions uh, about the usage of stun grenades on the uh, or during the unrest today in Maritana on the 13th of August. This was when uh, this was after uh, the Michelle Liru, the advocate Michelle Liru for South African Human uh, Rights Commission, uh, asked for the commission to play a video clip that showed uh, the a helicopter where police were, were throwing a stun grenade and at some point were throwing some tear um, gas. And then she said, in, in, she said that uh, she submitted uh, to the commission that uh, the way it was used, it was uh, not proper. The, the way that those stun grenades were, 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 were thrown uh, at, at the protesters was not proper. And that uh, they were, the helicopter was very close, at a very close approximate to the protesters. So Judge uh, Ian Fanam said that, you no, know, he disputed that saying, you no, know, in fact, even even the, the video clip can show that it, it's not that yeah, he, he, they, they, even he, not only uh, a Fanam who said that um, she she was um, she was only speaking she was only speaking on terms of what she was seeing, but uh, the, the actual truth must be asked. It, it should be asked. Uh, uh, the people who must be asked are the, the, the policemen who were in that helicopter, particularly a, a, a one sergeant uh, Baloi, who apparently is the one who, who threw that. Uh, those stun grenades because uh, the commission and also the, the police's lawyers are arguing that um, it's not that it, it's not even clear it's a bit uh, unclear and also it, it, it's not clear whether the, that, that helicopter was very uh, close to those uh, protesters. And uh, who was uh, questioning uh, um, Bembe, Police Commissioner, Deputy uh, Police Commissioner Bembe, to an extent that uh, it, it would appear that uh, he was uh, being attacked? 
It's uh, uh, currently he's been uh, uh, cross-examined by Advocate Michel Leroux, and and and, and it was when he suggested that uh, the way the way the, he, he got uh, some threats, uh, but it's not it was not said exactly as to from who the threats were. He got those threats from, and but it, that the threats that he got was when uh, it was when the, the unrest was ongoing there at Marikana, and and it was it was um, the advocate for the, the, the human rights or commission and uh, Michel Leroux. In fact, when and he he also he came to that uh, uh, topic. It's when he was uh, they were speaking about uh, the usage of those uh, of those uh, stand grenades, and and then there was a point where uh, it was suggested by Duru that um, the the. the the, the fact that they used those stun grenades, did he, uh, the Timbembe, uh, uh, brief the other police, his seniors, uh, about uh, the that usage of a video clip as to whether, uh, I'm sorry, about uh, the usage of those uh, stun grenades as to whether it, they were used because of self-defense, and then he, he disputed that, and even 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 uh, most of the lawyers here, they disputed that because they, they, they were saying that whatever Leroux was saying is, 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 is just a hearsay. She was not sure, actually, of her facts. Spiwe, we understand also that you've spoken to the widows of uh, the two security guards who were killed on the 12th of August, and they feel that they've been forgotten. Yes, I managed to speak uh, to, to Leah Mabilani, who is the widow of Franz Mabilani, the security guard, and also Aisha Fundi, who is the widow of Hassan Fundi. They think that uh, they feel bitter at the fact that they think that... Um, they are forgotten every time uh, they, they they hear on the news or when they uh, start reading the, the newspapers. It's all about the, the, the 34 miners who were killed. And 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 Aisha Fundi uh, 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 said uh, uh, told me about the point where she said that they are completely forgotten. Not only the security guards, but also the police officers who were who were killed. The 10 people who were killed before the 34 uh, mine workers were killed. And her husband, Hassan, was brutally killed by the striking mine workers, along with a colleague, Mabelani, as I said. They were hacked and they were also, they were also burned alive. And with Mabelani burned before recognition, beyond recognition, but that was on the 12th of August. And they were saying, Fundi is saying that she's still bitter and now she feels that, um, the fact that they are forgotten, it means that they might, they might not, they might not even uh, get to closure uh, uh, because she feels that even at the commission here, it, it's also about the 34 mine workers, according to them, and they think that they still, uh, they still have those pictures uh, of, of of how their, their their husbands were killed. They still feel bitter, they feel forgotten, and they feel that uh, as long as uh, the truth does not unfold, they feel that even the perpetrators will go free because according to them, they want the perpetrators to go to jail. Thank you very much, Pierre Mkize, our reporter on the Marikana Commission of Inquiry.